This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. Welcome to today's episode of Stories of Strength, a podcast where we share personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello, and today I'm speaking with Ellie Gonzalez. Ellie is a model, actress, entrepreneur, and wildlife warriors ambassador who was raised in Brisbane, Australia. An accomplished entrepreneur, Ellie is also the co-founder of the athleisure brand 9186 Collective, as well as the NFT project Crypto Girl Originals and Crypto Girl Collectibles with her partner, Russ Scotts. There's all that and more coming up in our conversation on this episode of Stories of Strength. Ellie, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm so good. It's so good to see your face. It's been so, so long since we've had <laughs> a proper chat and seen each other. I mean, in uh, you could say in person now because of everything that's gone on in the world. But Oh my goodness, it's been a long time. Yeah, and thank you for having me on today. No, it's wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to have you. Before we get into all about your entrepreneurships, big brother modeling and the movies, can you tell our audience what your childhood was like? Yeah, I had a really grounding childhood. It's very different to the life that I live now. I grew up on acreage. I had a really balanced, healthy family life growing up. I went to a great school. I had a lot of really great opportunities afforded to me because of how hard my dad worked. And I grew up with a lot of wildlife. I rode a lot of horses. I was like that girl at school that was like, I was the horse girl at school (laughs) for like a really good period of time. Like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of school. Actually. I literally did everything that I possibly could to avoid actually going to school. So I did every sport program. I did every music program. So I was a very like well-rounded child, as you could say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was, um, I kind of dipped my toe into everything. And it was kind of a really good experience because it really afforded me the opportunity to find out what I liked and what I really didn't like. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really started modeling at aged 13. And I was picked up by an agency, a child agency. And I actually didn't enjoy it in the beginning. I wasn't a very feminine child. I was like, I still am kind of like a tomboy, you could say. But yeah, I was a very, very boisterous, sort of rough and tumble kind of a child growing up. And, you know, I I had a brother and two sisters and yeah, life was like really normal growing up for me. And I, I just really had a lot of fun. And yeah, it was it was a really nice childhood. That's great. Now you began modeling at 13. Did you have any early mentors or anybody else to help you guide you through that? Look, I really didn't have so much of a mentor. I kind of just winged it at that age. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't okay. think anyone really knows what they really want to do when they're 13. I, I kind of was just, it was an opportunity there. My my parents were like, you know, you should do it. It's a good, you know, it's a good idea. And I kind of really just wanted to ride horses and I was really into crime channels and I really actually wanted to be a forensic investigator, mm. which is something not a lot of people really know about me. I'm yeah. I, I think if I was doing wow. any job different to what I'm doing now, I would probably be in forensics or I'd be like a detective or a cop or something. I know it's like really way out there, but that <laughs> really interested me as a child And it's funny that my life went in the direction that it did, but yeah, I think it was 
I was just growing up. I was probably 16 when I really started enjoying the entertainment side of things with the modeling and the acting and everything like that. And when I left school, I really wanted to pursue it full time. But the problem was every agency at the time, and this is going back to 2008 when I graduated, when I was 17. Yeah, back in 2008, obviously the modeling industry was extremely different. We were considered more as like a six foot clothes hanger type person in the industry. And unfortunately, I just did not fit that mold. I was shorter. I was a bit curvier. Like Mm -hmm. I was not the ideal candidate to be a model at that time. So every agency really just turned me down. And I mean, like I had a real fighting spirit as a kid, so I didn't really let those kinds of things beat me down and make me quit if somebody told me no. So at that point in time, I'd started dating my now fiance, Ross, who you love. (laughs) and everybody loves I swear more than me (laughs) but um but yeah we started dating and he was he well he is extremely entrepreneurial and extremely supportive toward me and my career which is I'm really lucky because a lot of men aren't supportive of women in my industry as much Mm -hmm. so I was really quite surprised when he was really encouraging of me to to do this but he said you know like don't let someone tell you no, go and do it yourself. So I literally just did everything that I possibly could to make myself a success in that area. And I kind of, I did wing it for a little bit. It was a lot of testing and measuring of what would work and what wouldn't, what would get me in front of the right people that I really wanted to work with. And in that time, I think we only had Facebook pages and I started building my own Facebook page. Like it was kind of like a fan page then, which was really weird. Like, it, you know, it's really strange. <laughs> and then we got like Twitter and then Instagram came along and I really focused on building a platform mm-hmm. for myself. And you didn't really know where it was going at the time, but I just knew if I had amassed an audience, it kind of gave me a leg up over all of the other girls that were, you know, six foot tall and super, super skinny that were the jobs that I wanted to. So I would go to all of these companies and say, Hey, this is my platform that I have. You can advertise to all of these people through a campaign. And we monetized it. We were really, really smart at the beginning of my career and monetizing a space that no one really understood. And we basically put contracts in place with a lot of the companies that we were working with that if they booked me on a campaign, it was a separate payment to me posting all of my content from that campaign or the behind the scenes or whatever it was on my social media platforms. So I guess you could kind of call me the, like an OG influencer. We were doing this back in like 2009, 2010, but, but yeah, I think having that entrepreneurial mindset really gave me a a leg up in the industry so early and helped me build this incredible career that I have today but I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of my fiance Ross and a lot of the people around me who really took a chance on me back in, back in the day when, you know, like that was the norm. And look, that changed, that changed extremely quickly when um, social media started to expand and a lot of the girls were getting jobs, you know, sometimes solely for their following. But I think that, you know, I created something separate to what I was doing at the time, which was, it was definitely a challenge. It was like, it was kind of like a second job having social media, Mm -hmm. but it was worth it. And I owe a lot of my success to what I built and all all because of the people who like following my journey. I'm 
always so grateful for people being interested in who I am and what I do and what I believe in. And I just try and share a really positive message and always have. That is great. That's great. And we actually worked on a campaign together. I remember it was about 15 years ago, I believe. OTC, I think the name of the company was. I moved over when I was 23. So I think that was like 2014 or 15 that we'd actually met, which is crazy. We were on set together and yeah, yeah, it was like, we got along like a house on fire, didn't we? (laughs) We had a great time. We did have a great time. Yeah. I've been so lucky to be able to meet people like you and I connect with some of the most amazing talent in the industry over the years, sometimes by chance, sometimes by connecting on social media, but yeah, it's been a pretty wild ride. (laughs) That is great. That is great. Now, how did you get your start in front of the camera? I think one of my biggest jobs, I, I mean, I really, I, I was just scouted at, at a very young age. I was out at a, mm-hmm. a shopping mall with my mom and we were walking by like a modeling agency in the city at the time. And there was someone standing out and they were handing out cards and they're like, come and do a deportment course. And it was literally learning how to model. It was, you know, you would learn how to do the catwalk. You would learn how to be on a photo shoot and learn like decorum and all of that weird stuff. <laughs> Like it was, it was such a thing for modeling agencies to do back in the day. I don't know what it's like in America, but yeah, it was like, it was such a thing where modeling agencies would literally like get all these girls and take them through classes. And then if they wanted to represent them by the end of the classes, they would reach out. So that's what they did with me. And I just started working and, and I was going to school as well. And then I ended up dropping a class because I was actually booking some pretty interesting work while I was a kid and in high school. But that's really how it started. It was just some weird by chance opportunity that this happened. <laughs> like I said, I could have been in forensics right now or being a cop or a detective or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that story would have turned out. That would have been great. That would have been great. Now, you had the opportunity to be on the big screen. You played actually Madison in Fighting with the Family. What was her character like and how did you prepare for that role? So this was a really interesting movie. It was produced by Dwayne Johnson and he is an incredible person to work with. But the character, we we all sort of loosely play women in WWE back when Paige started performing. And we really wanted this to be a very, very authentic performance. So we were trained by some of the best stunt teams in the world because we knew that all of the WWE fans would be watching this and we wanted it to be as real as possible. Like, look at me. I'm not, I'm not a wrestler. <laughs> I never could be. I never could be a wrestler. Honestly, I so much credit to them. They work so ridiculously hard. They travel. Like it's, this is their life. You know, it is what they do. It's what they love and what they are super passionate about. And it's, it takes a toll on your body. It really does. Even doing the stunts that we were doing, yeah. like, yeah, it was really quite challenging, but we had the best time. Florence Pugh was our was one of our lead actors, and she was just such an incredible personality. We had the best time on set filming. We were all just having such a great time, and it was it was honestly such a really great talent to be able to pick up doing those stunts and learn something from. Whenever I do a job, I always want. Well, I always take into consideration a lot of things like, what can I learn from this? Am I going to be able to pick up a really good talent from this? And yeah, it was just such a brilliant movie to be in, being my first movie. Like, what the hell? Like, I come from Australia. <laughs> I grew up like, you know, with chickens and geese in my backyard and like riding horses. It's it's just bizarre. But 
But yeah, it was a really incredible movie to be on and we had such an amazing, amazing crew and our director, Stephen Merchant, was incredible to work with. I I love, like I, I fangirled hard with pretty much everyone on this movie. I am obsessed with Stephen Merchant's um, work. A lot of the stuff that he has done with Ricky Gervais is just incredible. So, yeah, it was just like this really amazing experience that, um, you know, we got to travel to the UK for. We filmed a little bit in in LA and, um, yeah, it was just so much fun. Such a great experience. Now, would you ever think about lacing enough real time in the WWE one day? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. I, honestly, I don't think my body would be able to take it. It would be so, like, <laughs> so taxing, which is why they are just so talented to do what they do yeah. and even back in the day like it was even more rough like it but yeah it was incredible like it was really actually cool to see a lot of the behind the scenes of the stuff that goes on and how people perform a lot of the stunts and everything so yeah it was just like this really exciting peek into a world that I never thought I would have ever been able to see and that's what my job really affords like I get to do so many different things and that's what I love like I'm kind of a bit ADHD if you know what I mean <laughs> I, I just like stuff is different and um, it keeps my mind occupied. Like I was such a terror at school, honestly, like sitting in a classroom, they tried to just make me sit up at the front and even gave me glasses to help me like to help me concentrate, which was so weird. But yeah, I like got pulled in by the principal and my mum was sitting there and they're like, you know, <laughs> got some attention issues, you know, all the stuff. And yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was a quite an interesting child at school, just, like, not naughty but just, like, disruptive. So my job really affords me to do a lot of different things now that really satisfy that part of my brain. Speaking of things you do, you also recently were on Big Brother. What was that experience like? That was amazing. So here in Australia we have Big Brother and then we did Big Brother VIP. So this was a bit of a different show. It was a lot shorter to what people are used to, I think in the States, you know, you might be in there for three months, I think, and on the normal one. And, mm-hmm. um, in Australia, that's, it's the same here. So they're in the house a lot longer than we are. We were in there for three and a half weeks. And that was for the people who actually, you know, met the top three. So me, myself, Luke and Josh, who had made it to the top three. So yeah, we were there for three and a half weeks. And look, let me tell you, that was enough for me. I don't know how people do three months. <laughs> like that would actually just drive me insane because you don't get any privacy. Like I, I think that was the thing that I, um, I was like probably the biggest challenge for me. Like I love my alone time. So being in a house full of like 13 people and like not just 13 people, 13 really big, loud personalities. So we all slept in the same room. We all shared the same bathrooms. And let me tell you, I, wow. I love Ross for being the man that he is when we share a bathroom because this was like next level. Like it was just so <laughs> <laughs> it was so foul. But um, but yeah, it, I had the opportunity to really meet some amazing people. And you know, actually, I was saying this the other day. If it wasn't for you, I would have actually never have because C- Caitlyn Jenner was on the show, and we connected. Yes incredibly well and she's actually you know when we're on the show she was like I would love to walk you down the aisle when you get married because you know my dad's not around and yeah we just connected on this like really just personal level and had such a great time together but if it wasn't for you I actually wouldn't have met all of the other Kardashians 
through Gunnar because you were like my introduction to Gunnar Peterson in LA who I started training with and I was afforded to meet, you know, some really amazing people. And it's just so weird how the world works. Like I never met Caitlin when I was with Gunnar, but I met all the other girls, pretty much the whole family except for Caitlin and then ended up meeting her and we were talking about like talking about Gunnar and yeah, she was like, oh my God, I know Gunnar really well. This is so weird. Like it was just this like, you know, three degrees of separation or whatever it is. But yeah, it was, it was really amazing. And it was also quite challenging because, you know, you obviously have to play a game, but for me, it was like really staying true to who I was and not being like this real sneaky kind of person. Cause that's not me. So I was just going in, if I knew I was 100% authentically myself, I, you know, mm-hmm. if I won, if I didn't win, whatever I would, I knew I would be happy with the outcome. So, so yeah, I just had such a good time. I, I'm trying to think of like some other stories that I might not have talked about actually. <laughs> so Omarosa is quite big in the States. That's what I was going to ask you. Is- <laughs> yeah. Like, because not a lot of Australians know who she is. But it's really funny. There was this rumor Uh that she was coming on the show and I was like, oh, she would have been, she would have been photographed coming into Australia if she was really on the show and all this stuff. And there was no sort of um, like news and news about her coming in. So I was like, oh, maybe she didn't make it and maybe she's not on the show. And then basically it was, I was one of the first people in the house along with her and then Mm -hmm. another really big actor in Australia. And they put us all in the same car and I turned around because I was sitting in the front seat and I looked at her and I was like, oh, it's, it's uh, on. There it is. Like, on. It's on. <laughs> I was like, I saw her in all of her apprentice days with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like had a really good leg up knowing who she was and what her game plan is like. And she's just, she's sneaky, man. Like <laughs> it was such an interesting experience and yeah, she was like, she's exactly what she's like on the show. You know, it's, I, I don't think oh, it's really, really so much, yeah, I don't think it's so much of a character, but we got into a, like a little bit of a um, disagreement that never actually made it to air. But, but yeah, she was, she was definitely like a very, a very dominant person and a very, she was challenging everyone, which I mean, like, I don't know how it works in the States, but here in Australia, we're very, very different kind of people. <laughs> We're all very like laid back and, and like once she started causing trouble, I was like, nope, she's got to go. It's time. Let's, let's boot her out. And was like, yeah, she's gone. It's time for her to move on. <laughs> it's time for her to go. I think she was like one of the second to go. It was just like, she was really full on on the show. But, um, but yeah, it was just really interesting working with so many different personalities and experiencing uh, what they were like in, in a challenge perspective, which, you know, I loved all of the challenges. That is so my vibe. I um, have like a really great healthy competition for that kind of thing. And I think I call on a lot of, a lot of past experiences whenever I'm finding myself in like a really challenging time or, you know, I'm feeling anxious or whatever it is, I call on a lot of really big moments in my life that have really shaped me as a person. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, this is nowhere near as bad as those things that I've previously gone through. So I've got this, you know, (laughs) we're standing on pegs on this like, like massive pendulum and it's got like three levels. And then the last level are like these tiny little pegs that you have to stand on and like holds around the pendulum 
while they're like they've got like wind like pushing us with these huge <laughs> wind machines and like they're throwing sand in the wind machines and like wind and like rain and all like it's is ridiculous like it's you know it's all for the entertainment of the people watching at our expense obviously but yeah it was really hard like all of our feet the bottom of our feet were bruised like it was so next level but yeah, I like I ended up winning that challenge because I was just sitting there. I'm like, I wear Louboutins and I will wear like I'm that girl that's like, I will wear <laughs> I won't take them off. Like if I'm like out, I will never be the girl to take my shoes off until I'm like in the car or when I get home. And I don't care how much my feet bleed. I don't care like how uncomfortable <laughs> I am. Those shoes are not fucking coming off. <laughs> so that is great. Yeah, I, I just call on those on those times in my life when I'm when I'm challenged, and it, it gets me through. Wow, I still can't believe thirteen people for one bathroom. That's amazing. That 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 in itself is a show. <laughs> I know, I know, it's pretty wild, and like. The only place that's not filmed are the shower cubicles. So whenever I'd go and have a shower, I'd just be like, oh, my God, (laughs) microphones (laughs) off. I was just like sitting in the shower, just like just contemplating life sometimes. (laughs) 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 I really was. That is great. We hope you're enjoying Stories of Strength brought to you by MuscleTech. Whether you're an elite athlete, weekend warrior, or just trying to stay healthy, MuscleTech believes in growing stronger together. Discover products formulated to help you achieve your strength and fitness goals at Walmart, GNC, and everywhere you find premium supplements. Now, as someone who is often in the spotlight, how would you define strength? I think strength is really sitting down, and we all have trauma. I think Mm-hmm. everyone's got their like red flags or whatever it is. But I think strength is really owning the things that shape you. And mm. for someone being in the spotlight, sharing those things and sharing how you got through them and doing the work to constantly make sure that you're not carrying on that trauma deep within you. I think that it's easy. It's, it's so easy to just push things down, but it creates so many more problems and presents itself in so many different areas of your life. If you have trauma, that's not worked through. Like for example, I, you know, the story about my dad, I was living in the States and unfortunately some really horrible personal things went down in my dad's life. Like he'd called me to like, tell me about everything that had happened and it was very, it was all very sudden. I was fortunately with Ross at the time. He wasn't actually supposed to be with me in the States. Then he was sort of back and forth to and from Australia. But literally the next day I was at Gunner's studio and I had like 20 missed calls from my sister and I panicked because I'm like, what, like what, this is bad. Like I've never had anything like this happen, yeah. you know, and your, your brain sort of goes to like the worst place. But my, I found out that my dad had actually committed suicide while I'm in another country. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. You know, like it it was, I was, I was in somewhere like that. I just, like I I walked into a corridor just before she told me at, at Gunners and I like, I don't actually remember a lot. I think I just, apparently I was on the ground, like Ross walked in cause he was with me and he's like, 
what's going because he heard me screaming and I I was just like dad's hung himself you know like it's just and then he just ended up I think picking me up and walking me into the office and yeah it was just this life altering moment and I was extremely close with my dad I was my entire life we had a really great strong relationship we spoke almost every day so for him to just instantly be gone like that and not have any answers as to I I never thought that he was ever capable of doing that because he was such a strong masculine person but also very sensitive which was you know a lot of the qualities that I really loved about him and I really replicated for myself yeah But, yeah, that was – and in that moment it wasn't just losing my dad. It was also losing my relationship with my mother as well because things went down that, you know, I just personally as as the person that I am, I I could not accept. Um, And I've never gone into it and I I never will because it's – I don't think publicly it's the place for that. But yeah, I, I, in that moment, lost my dad. I lost the relationship with my mother. And then eventually I lost the relationship with my family because, yeah, I, I think supporting my dad was the, the most important thing to me at that, at that point in time, especially. And to me, doing the right thing was supporting him. And unfortunately, people in my family chose to support somebody else. And that's fine. I I can't control people. I don't want to control people, but what I can control is my life, the people who are in it and the level of peace and happiness that I can have. So the best decision that I could have ever made was really just walking away from that situation. And it was the right decision to make for me because I have peace in my life. I have happiness. I have worked through so much of the trauma that has been caused because of a lot of those situations and things that went on. And I actually, I was only in Australia for about two weeks after my dad passed away and I came back to America, went straight back into working. But I also had this amazing counsellor that I was working with like two times a week, three times a week after my dad had passed away to work through a lot of those emotions that I personally we're never given the tools to be able to deal with something like that growing up. So strength in a really long, in a really long story to me is, yeah, just really dealing with the trauma and being open about your life and and situations and, and owning that, you know? Yeah. You know, I never knew that about you. And and uh, your bravery here on the show is amazing. I, I I never knew that story about your dad. So thank you so much for sharing. You know, I I lost I lost my hero, my father too, when I was young, and uh, hmm. I really never got over it. And I I know what uh, I know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. You really you really don't ever get over it, and it never really ever gets easier. People are like, you know, with time, like things get easier. It's not that they get easier. Just learn how to deal with them in a yes in more of a positive way. You know what I mean? Like. And you have, you go through all of your stages of, of grieving and trauma and, and dealing with them. And if, yeah, like I said, if you just don't, if you just bury them and you don't deal with them, you, they just arise in so many different parts of your life, whether it's your relationships, you know, it's like self-sabotage, like all of these things. And 
makes you question yourself and that's not the life that I I wanted. I I don't have a victim mentality. I have a really proactive mentality of I deserve a really happy life. I deserved a really balanced life. Like things might happen to me, but it's it's in how that I deal with them that is going to determine where my life goes and where my future goes and what sure. my, what my relationships are like and how happy and how much peace I have in my life. So yeah, to me at that point, I'm like, all I want is peace. All I want is just to be happy and to have really good relationships around me that are positive and aren't toxic. So yeah. And it also just taught me to like, to not care about like what, what other people think of me and, and to really just live my life authentically and how I want and what makes me happy, do what makes me happy, you know, not what's expected of me or in society or whatever it is. It's yeah. And that's when I think like I was actually really struggling with um, my sexuality for a long, long time. And after my dad died, I'm like, this is nothing in comparison to what I've been through. Like, why do I care what people think of me? Why do I care? You know, that why am I making such a huge deal about my sexuality when it, it really shouldn't matter? I should just be myself and I should be proud of who I am. So like a year after he died, I, I came out publicly it, obviously in support, like Ross was in support of me. All the people around me were in support of me. And that really also gave me the strength to be able to genuinely be who I am as a person and just be like unapologetic about it. Yeah, that's amazing. Ella, it's a, your, your strength, your bravery, and your courage is going to really show through in this. And it's going to help a lot of people listening today. So I thank you. And I applaud you for sharing your story today. Thank you. No, thank you. Now, switching gears. And after that, it's it's kind of tough to switch gears. But you're a wildlife warriors ambassador. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and what that means to you? Absolutely. I mean, I grew up loving wildlife. Like, look where I live. I'm literally still surrounded <laughs> by wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I back in the day, I'd met Terry Irwin, who you, you guys are so well aware of over there. All of the, the Irwin family are so popular all over the world. They're the most yes. incredible people I've ever met. But I, I met the family about 12 years ago through friends of ours. And I had the opportunity to go up and, and visit Australia Zoo and the Wildlife Warriors Hospital up there. And honestly, I was just really taken back and very touched with all of the work that they do. And back then they were given no support. It was it, their Wildlife Warriors Hospital and their conservation programs all over the world were funded by profits from the zoo, donations from the public. So I ended up sitting down with Terry and saying, how can I help? I want to be involved. I want to be able to share your message with the masses of people, the my audience, you know, however far it travels because what they do to help protect our beautiful wildlife, I mean, we wouldn't have specific species of animals if it wasn't for them. So really their message is just so strong and they're such a beautiful family. I just, I just wanted to be able to help them. And she made me a, an honorary wildlife warriors ambassador. And I've been working with them for 12 years and they have done incredible wow. work. So yeah. really, I just love animals. I'm such an animal person. I'm, I'm so empathetic towards animals and people. I just, I want to be able to have our beautiful wildlife in 10, 20, 30, 40, a hundred years. Yeah. And they're really the, the people who are, who are, who are fighting for those who can't speak. So, so yeah. And it's always been really important to me to share a positive message. 
on my platforms, not just, it's not just about me. It's, it's about things that I believe in and that I love. And I never work with anyone or anything, any organizations that I don't personally believe in or love. So I think that that's something that I've carried through over the last, you know, decade plus, however many, however many years I've been working and on social media, that's always been a really important message for me. So that's one of the reasons why that I got involved. Oh, that's great. Now you had mentioned about platforms. One of your platforms happens to be entrepreneurship. How did you get involved in the world of entrepreneurship? I think it was really just being forced to do something really different in the beginning of my career. And now my fiance Ross and I have an athleisure company called 9186, which I'm extremely passionate about health and fitness. That's how we came to actually meet you and I, Mm -hmm. but being able to inspire other people to be healthy and live well and be active through something that we create is something that makes me feel really good. Like what I have through, you know, when I go to the gym, the feelings that I get, the endorphins and like just how good it makes me feel. I want that for other people. So if we inspire someone to go for a walk or to go to the gym or to do something positive for themselves that day that just gets them active and out in the world, you know, that's, that's our mission complete with, with our athleisure label. We've had so much fun being able to create that. And yeah, I've always kind of thought about what's next in my career and what I want to be able to do with my life and what message that I want to share and yeah, I guess in the beginning, it's always, I have, I've had to think of doing something differently. So that's sort of how my, my entrepreneurial spirit was created. <laughs> I was that just forced to doing that something different. You know, I had to think about what I was like, really, I couldn't just, you know, get a manager or, I, or just get an agent because literally everyone turned me down. Nobody, nobody was like, yeah, I'll take a chance on you. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just do it myself. I don't know how, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) but eventually I got my groove with what I was doing and I started figuring out what was working and what wasn't. And I think being an entrepreneur, that's, that's what it's about. It's about failing over and 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 over again until you get that one job and you get your groove and you know what you're doing. But yeah, that's entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship to me is, is failing over and over again. And until you until you get to where you want to be. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people who are, are entrepreneurs listen to this show and people don't understand. They think that, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It's just going to happen overnight. It doesn't. It's about failing. Success is, success is based upon failures. And we have to understand that it's going to happen over and over and over. And the failures are going to come and come and come. So I'm glad you brought that point up. Yeah, exactly. And being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, it might sound like being your own boss. It might sound so nice, but honestly, it's not for everyone. And I think People need to realize where their strengths are and what they what they want to achieve. But, you know, usually for a lot of people, it, you know, you have to take on a lot of responsibility if you are to be someone who calls himself an entrepreneur. You can't just turn around and blame someone for something going wrong, which it will. Like, it's this is life. Like, you know, it's, yes. it's not perfect by any <laughs> means for anyone, for anyone. Like, I was watching a thing about Giselle the other night and her dealing with just ridiculous crippling anxiety. And one day she wanted to jump off a roof of her building. Like, wow. And she was at like the peak of her career, which is crazy. You know, you think these people have these perfect lives and 
honestly, that's something that I, I always try to share tough times, the, the things that I've gone through in my life on social media, because it gives people perspective that people's lives aren't perfect. And it's, it's really, really hard to sit and, and look at social media because you do get carried away with, oh, this person's life looks so amazing. It looks perfect. You know, they're always on holidays or always doing this or whatever, but yeah, life is not perfect. And being an entrepreneur is recognizing that and also just taking responsibility for yourself and your actions and not blaming someone when something goes wrong, because I think that's something as humans, like we, we just grow up learning to do. We blame other people. We learn this from our parents, our family members, people at school. Like how can you not pick up those traits when that is literally all that surrounds you? It's just training your brain to do something different. So true. So true. Now you've also went into the crypto space and you co-founded the NFT project, Crypto Girl Originals and Crypto Girl Collectibles. What made you decide to go into the crypto space? Well, I do believe that it is just such a huge way of the future. Crypto is, it, it's just, it's decentralized. You know, there's, there's no one controlling yeah. it. There's no one that it, 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 it's a really amazing space to be in and where NFTs and, and like the metaverse is going and how many huge international companies are getting involved in this space. It, it really says where it's going. It will be the way of the future, especially everything that happened with, mm. with COVID. Technology has changed the world and COVID changed the world as we knew it. And we became so heavily involved in technology. But I think that it is an amazing space for creators to be in because there's no middleman. Like it, when, when you create an NFT as an artist or as a musician or whatever it is, it gives you creative control and it also takes away that that middleman. I know in America, like if you're in the entertainment industry, you've got lawyers who take a cut, managers, agents, and then you end up literally with 40% of your earnings most of the time. And what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these actors who make, they might make $22 million on a movie. They only get 40% of that because it's all taken up with fees from taxes and management and lawyers and everything like that. But with NFTs, like all of that's taken away. You don't have that issue. You could, you just, that's, that's yours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it, it so affords true. creators in any industry control, which is amazing. And the way that it really should be, if that makes sense. And someone who is in that space, no, it's it, like, it, you know, you see management fees taken out and like, which is fine. But, you know, if you're doing the work and you put it out there, you should be able to have that control if you really want. Sure. Now, with all that you accomplished you know, in, in the world of modeling, actress, being on TV, what legacy are you looking to leave behind? I just really, it, you know, if I change someone's life for the better, by doing what I'm doing, uh, that makes me happy. By sharing, you know, whatever life troubles that I go through or whatever happens in, in my life, if, if, I be, if I'm able to change some person's life because of that, then I'm so happy and influence people in a really positive way. When I came out about my sexuality and when I talked about my dad's death and how I dealt with it and the story behind it, I had thousands of messages from people saying, I've come out to my family because of this. This gave me courage. It it changed my life and, and, and it's lifted this huge weight off my shoulders that I was dealing with, you know, depression for years because of this. And or on my on the flip side, things with 
my dad passing away, sharing that story, I've had a lot of people message me saying, you know, today was the day that I woke up and I just didn't want to be around anymore. And I saw your post and it completely changed my perspective on my life. And that made me realize that I needed to get help. And when I read these things, and sometimes I honestly just really forget the influence that I have. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm who I am. I I don't put myself on a pedestal. I don't, you know, I don't consider myself to be like this big person, but these things remind me of how much of a, an influence and a voice that I have in this world. And it, it makes me so happy. And so I guess proud of what I created when I see things like that come through and it has like, it's, it's changed someone's life and catapulted them in a completely different direction to where they might've been. And yeah, it it just, honestly, it blows my mind. Like I read messages sometimes and, and, you know, granted, I can't get back to everybody, which is why I I do try and answer a lot of questions publicly and Mm -hmm. try and get a message across as best as I can. But that's life changing for me. That yeah. that just makes me, <laughs> makes me <laughs> realize and understand the impact that we all have in this life, and that we we have the opportunity to change people's lives around us for the better. So you know why not? Yeah, it's so true. So where can people find you on social media if they want to ask you a question or just just connect with you? So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. We're also on Discord for Crypto Girl. My Instagram is Ellie underscore Gonzalez. And then I'm also on Facebook as well, which is where I originally started. <laughs> <laughs> One of the originals. It's just my name on, on social media. And yeah, I, I love connecting with people. I always have. I always, I've, I've never been that person that's like posted something and never interacts with people or never sends DMs back to people because this is like one of the reasons why I love doing what I'm doing. It's connecting with people who might enjoy the message that I send or the things that I do or whatever. It's, I've always had a lot of gratitude for people who have supported me. Yeah. Well, thank you for connecting with us today. It was an honor to have you on the show, Ellie. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. And it's been so good to see you. Yes, it's so good to finally see you again. (laughs) That does it for today's episode. Thanks to Ellie for coming on the show and showing us how a model and entrepreneur define strength. Make sure you're subscribed and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Jay Cardiel, and this has been Stories of Strength personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength presented by Muscletown.